We're going to have our communion. We're going to do it as soon as we finish. We'll have our communion because it is important that we continue to remember Jesus. Amen. We have been, we have been partaking communion for the last 2,000 plus years. Ever since the death of Jesus Christ, even before the death of Jesus Christ, at the Last Supper began the ritual of communion. The common union. The common union that we have. And this is something that he said to do in remembrance of him. And it's supposed to be taken urgently. It's supposed to be considered um, a mandate. It is for our remembrance. For us to remember that this thing did not come lightly. But the salvation that we have now came with a price that we could not pay. It came with a level of suffering that we could never endure. And he did it just for us. And for those who came before us and for those who will come after us. Jesus Christ paid the price for everyone's sin, past, present, and future. And now he calls us to be sober-minded enough to take this seriously. Everybody say seriously. 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 Say it again. Seriously. 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 It is important that we get back to the point. The Eucharist, the, 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 the communion is very serious. Baptism is very serious. We do it as a ritual now and we forget the real sobriety and solemnity behind it. Amen. We do it ritualistically, but we have forgotten the solemnity. We have forgotten how absolutely important it is. We have forgot to attach our heart to the practice. We just go through the ritual sometimes without our heart, without thought, without consideration of what it took and what it represents. I don't hear anybody here. It took a lot for us to get to this point of salvation and it it, it represents a whole lot. It represents the heart of God, his love toward man. It represents him going past the point of our fault and seeing our desire and need for him and him giving every bit of his life's essence so that we could live. Sometimes we get so steeped in this that we forget to be solemn. We forget how urgent this is. We forget serious of a matter this thing is. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's nice. But have you really, really considered what this means? And the obligation that comes once you are born again. Salvation is free, but everything else costs. Salvation You didn't work for and you can't earn it. But once you are born again, there's a responsibility. There's a responsibility. I can can see this is going to be hard by the lack of response. That's okay. I want you to take it in. I want you to take it in. And I want you to ruminate on it. I want you to make this something that's important. Something that's dire. Something that is serious. Serious. There is a disconnect. There is a lack of reverence in Christendom in America. 
In American Christianity, I can't, I can't speak for the other countries because I'm not a resident, but from what I see here in America, there is a lack of true sincerity and, and, and true gravity in this thing. There's a lack of gravity. A lack of gravity. We have lost reverence for the things that are holy. We treat them too lightly. We, we play with them. We play with the things like tongues and we play with our relationship with God and you know, ah, and we shout and jerk and, 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 and that, that's a sure sign that we have lost reverence. Have lost reverence. Because in other religions you cannot treat that, that deity so commonly. In, in other religious reformations you can't treat the, 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 their deity that commonly. You can't speak ill of, of, of Muhammad. For in that religion, you must even put honorifics to his name. Muhammad, blessed forever. You, you have to add some reverence to it. Hallelujah. Allah, who's blessed forever. We're the only bunch of people who have the real salvation and treat it so small. Yes, I am, I am declaring that we have the true genuine salvation that can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ who God himself, God himself, God himself wrapped himself up in a sperm, came down and was embedded into the belly of a 13-year-old virgin and he went through the trimesters in the belly to come out of the womb to take on flesh so he could be the living sacrifice. No other deity lack of a better term no other deity can take that honor we have God with us Emmanuel God with us God in the flesh who came down and walked upon this earth for 33 years healed the sick raised the dead declared the truth of the law declared salvation declared the mercy and the grace of God died and took all the sins of man past, present, and future upon himself. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Hung upon a cross and took our punishment, endured such suffering. And in this 21st century, we take it so lightly. We don't even take it serious enough to tell others about it. We have, we have denigrated evangelism down to a department in a church. And not a common thing to do when you wake up in the morning. I don't hear anybody here. We, we, we have lost the reverence for God. And they do your shame. We treat God worse than we treat our nine to five. Uh, I, I don't need to go to church today. They can go on without me. I, I don't need to. I can watch it on television. They don't, they don't. They don't need to be there. If you did that at your job, you would be here asking for benevolence every week. If you treated your job like you treat your relationship and activity and your purpose in God, well, you can't judge me. I'm doing the work of the Lord. Ah, that spirit alone. That, 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 that spirit alone 
is offense. The truth of the matter is there's humility that's needed. There's commitment and devotion that's needed. If you really take this seriously. Mm -hmm. the, the Bible says not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some Christians is. It's amazing how God throws these little things and these little side swipes in. He said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together in Hebrews 10, 25. He said, don't, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. He's talking about the Christians that think that they are exempt from that command. Man. He said, but all the more when you see the day of his returning approaching. We are in that day now. We are in that day now where you are seeing, please excuse me for preaching extemporaneously, but as you see all that's happening in the world, we are in that day now. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord has need of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Lord has need of you. We are in that day now. We are in. We are in the day of Matthew's 25. 24 and 25. We are in the day. We are in the time of Matthew 24. Where the disciples asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus went through a litany of things that would indicate the time of his return. We are in that time right now. I don't hear anybody. But because we have, because we have lost reverence, we've lost the urgency of what Jesus said. Because we've heard it for 2,000 years now. And it hasn't come to pass. So we treat it as just some kind of recitation. Not understanding that we are at the brink of the coming of the Lord. Now it's become kind of fictitious to us. And now we debate whether it's true or not in, in, the, in, in the theological world. Now we, we debate whether it was, you know, an allegory or whether it's really true. But the truth of the matter is, it is exactly as Jesus said. It is exactly as the Lord said. Every jot, every tittle, everything that he spoke, it was not allegorical, it was literal. And these are the days that we are in right now. Hear me, sober up, sober up, sober up and get your senses back. We are in a time where you can't play. We are in a time where you can't play, but there's still a game going on. We're in a time that is so absolutely urgent, but then there's still a laissez-faire attitude amongst the Christians. We're in a time that demands that we follow God. But we are fighting each other. We are in a time that demands that we unite. But we are still having angst with one another. And nullifying and rendering impotent the church of God. I'm not just talking about people watching. I'm talking about everybody in this room too. 
I'm not just talking general, I'm talking specifically. Because we're not taking the day, the assignment, the position, serious. Seriously? Seriously. We do what is convenient for us. And we don't pay attention to the fact that our convenience is somebody else's condemnation. What do we mean, Pastor? What do I mean? I mean, your convenience leaves other people to wander in darkness until you get ready to do it. You forget that there's people's lives connected to your obedience. Because you're not taking this thing seriously. There are people who are wandering, groping in darkness while you hold the light back according to your convenience. Man. I don't regret the calling of God on my life to make this plain to you. Because we have played with God for too long. We have acted like we have no reverence for the only true God. And it's time to sober up again. It's time to sober up again. The apostle wrote the song, he wrote the, the scripture saying, be sober, be vigilant. Be sober, meaning have all of your capacity, have understanding. Be sober, recognize the time. Be sober and vigilant at the same time. That means put all your energy in it. Put everything and be consistent. Be absolutely consistent in what you do. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your adversary. The devil. He's sober. He's vigilant. For your adversary the devil. Walketh about. Seeking. Meaning he's on a constant search. He's on a constant search for somebody who's not taking this seriously. So he can wreak havoc and devour. We are not taking this seriously. We are not paying attention to the sermons. We are not putting them into action. For indeed, if we were, the house would be filled. Because the people that took it seriously would be bringing people in from the north, south, east, and west. I don't hear nobody. We have to take this Seriously. Find out what unit that is making this noise. Maintenance. It's outside. We've got to take this to another degree of urgency. Urgency. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. The hour is upon us. The hour and the time is upon us. And we are the silent element in a time that demands to hear our voices. We are the invisible element 
in the time that demands for us to stand in the marketplace and be seen and tell the world about this loving Christ. Where are we? We drive into the sanctuary. We drive here to get to the sanctuary. Bus and trains to get to the sanctuary. To do what with what we get? To do what with what we get? This is a place, this is a place for education, information, impartation, inspiration, revelation only. But the true element of who you are and what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to be is outside. In college, you don't sit in those classrooms just to matriculate to stay there. You get the information from there so you can go outside of there and utilize it to help your life and your career. If you don't put in practice what you've learned in your college campus, then you are an educated fool that has no purpose at all. You can be educated and impoverished because you didn't take it serious. You can be degreed and still at a deficit because you didn't take it seriously. So why do we treat Christ and the relationship with Christ so frivolously? So frivolously. In the book of Hebrews, the second chapter, the first verse, it simply says this, therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard. We need to give the most earnest heed. In other words, we need to take seriously what we have heard, Mata, lest at any time we should let what we've heard slip away. Hey, the majority of Christendom, as I see it, is remiss, and we've let our assignment slip away. The element of evangelism is almost invisible. It's almost invisible. We want people to come to church. If they want Jesus, they got to come to church instead of the church going to the people. Hello? Instead of the church going to where the people are, we want the people to come to church. We want to do things electronically because we've stopped in-person ministry. Hallelujah. We can speak real good with our thumbs, but we can't open our mouths because we don't take this seriously. We disrespect leadership because we don't take it seriously. Now we don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't gravitate to those who are in leadership because we don't like them. We have our preferences. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going down every street that there is to go down. Because we don't take it seriously. So we look at preachers and we look at leaders that are in place and we have our choice of who we want to obey. And that is not the way the kingdom works. You've got to obey those, them, those, them, those, them that have the rule 
I don't hear anybody. You've got to obey those, them, those, them, those, them. If there's more than one person, there's those, them that have the rule. When you hear Pastor Don West, when you hear Pastor Rebecca West, when you hear Pastor Venetia Moore, and you hear the elders of these church, you hear me. And if you won't do as they instruct, don't talk about, well, I'm, I'm going, I need to talk to pastor. You don't need to talk to pastor because he's going to say the same thing because he's the one who said it in the first place. And if you can't hear, then you're not taking it serious. Oh, I know I was going to get a good hand clap, but that, that's okay. I want you to mull that over in your mind because that's what leadership is for. If you can't follow a leader, you can't be a leader. I'm talking to leaders around the world and PFC. If you cannot follow the leader, then you cannot be an adequate leader. Because you don't take it serious. Leadership demands sacrifice. This relationship with Christ demands sacrifice. It demands the whole heart. We are doing things without the heart attached. We are singing songs, but the heart is not attached. We are in rehearsals, but the heart is not attached. We are playing music, but the heart is not attached. We are standing on our post, but our heart is not attached. I don't hear anybody here. We are going through the functions and the motions, but our heart is not attached. And because we've got the action without the heart, God says, I don't accept it. I don't accept it. With your mouth, with your lips, you do give praise. But your heart is far from. God says, I don't accept that. Because only your heart can take something seriously. If your heart is not attached, then there's no urgency attached. If your heart is not attached, then there's no seriousness attached. If your heart is not attached, then there's no gravity attached. If your heart is not attached, then there's no emotion attached. If your heart is not attached... You're just going through the cycle. Going through the cycle. There are many gifted people. But their gift doesn't mean that their heart is attached. There are many creative people. But that doesn't mean that they're doing it with their whole heart. But the gravity of the matter causes you to become serious when you sit back and you realize that God infused you with purpose. You got to ask the question, for what? If I'm still here and I didn't die when I should have died and could have died, what do you still have me here for? I don't hear anybody. There's got to be a reason and a purpose for me existing. Hallelujah, in a time where so many are dying. So what is, what is the reason for me being left here? I got to start to take my life more soberly. Got to take my life more gravely. Got to take my life more seriously. Who am I in the scheme of God's plan? Who am I? Who am I in God's divine order? Yeah. 
What does he have for me to do? I got to get to the point where I learn how to sacrifice based on my calling. Sacrifice and go against what I want to do. Hallelujah. Sacrifice. Even if I don't feel like it. But my heart's got to be so attached that it overrides my feelings and goes into the realm of my faith. Because my faith and feelings don't always match. Oh, God, help me. My faith and my feelings don't always match. Sometimes I feel like I want to satisfy my flesh and I want to do things my way. But my faith shakes me and says the hour is far spent. The day is at hand. And you got to be about your father's business. Shake yourself. Rise up from your comfort zone and roll up your sleeves and get ready to do the work of the kingdom. It's not based on your convenience because you may not feel like it today, but there's still a soul dying. There's still a soul groping in darkness and you've got to take that seriously because you don't want to stand before God and have to give an account for the times he led you and you did not go for the time he commanded you and you did not move for the time he worded your belly and you did not speak you don't want to give an account to God you don't hear what I'm saying God has need of you look at somebody say seriously God has need of you that anointing he put in you you can't hold that hostage. You got to take it seriously. Because that anointing he put on you belongs to somebody else. Y'all missed it over here. The anointing that he put on you belongs to somebody else. He anointed you for someone else. But you got to take this thing seriously. And that anointing has got to reach its destination. Oh God, you got to understand God. You got to comprehend the things of God that he gives you enough wisdom to understand. You got to know that sometimes it puts you in a precarious position. Oh, Samuel, what are you doing right now? I got word from God that he's about to take the kingdom away from Saul. But I got to go to Jesse's house because this is serious. I got to go to Jesse's house because there's another king in Jesse's house. But wait a minute, Samuel. If you do this, Saul will kill you. He said, I know that my life is in danger, but this assignment is much more serious than the threat. I got to finish my assignment even against the threat. I don't see now everybody's getting quiet because the assignment does have the possibility of a threat your family may not understand but you got to take it seriously your loved one may not walk with you but you got to take it seriously your preacher may not ordain you but you got to take it seriously. I don't hear anybody here. 
you got to take it serious. And you got to understand God. And you've got to know even if my leader doesn't see it, I will sit under the leadership until God reveals it. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I will sit and I will teach myself how to obey those that have the rule because I need that discipline because it's just that serious. Oh Lord, it's just that serious. And if it comes with a, th oh my time is up. I gotta stop right here. I gotta stop. If it comes with a threat, I cannot back down. Because I take this serious. He has to go and anoint David. Because the whole of Israel depends upon this. Y'all not hearing. If you read in the book of if you read in the book of First Kings is about the 13th chapter. About the 18th verse, you read about Prophet Elisha and the king of Israel, Joash. Hallelujah. And the king of Israel, Joash. Take me to 2 Kings. I'm trying to take me to 2 Kings 13. And the king of Israel, Joash. And Joash happens to be with the prophet Elisha right before his death. And he says to Elisha, the very thing Elisha said to his predecessor Elijah, he says, Master, Master, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen, meaning that you're about to die. You're about to die and this is a serious matter. The chariot of Israel and the horsemen. And Elisha knows how serious this time is. And he takes and he tells Joash, go get your bow and arrows. Go get your bow and arrows, sir. Before I leave here, go get your bow and arrows. He comes back to the bed of Elisha with his bow and arrows. He says, open up the window, son. He opens up the window and he puts his hand upon, him, upon Joash's hand. And he says, shoot! Because these are the arrows of deliverance that are going to deliver Israel from Syria. Shoot! He shoots. But he has no idea how serious the moment is. And the prophet tells him, take the arrows and strike the ground. Smite the ground. And he smites the ground three times and stops. Hits the ground three times and stops. And the man of God became angry. On his deathbed became angry. Because his prophecy was too important to take so lightly. The assignment of Joash was too important. For him not to pay attention. Seriously. The man of God became wroth. 
And he said, you should have smote the ground six times. He said, you should have smote the ground five or six times. Because you would have consumed the Syrian army completely. But instead, you only hit thrice, three times. So you will only have three victories over them because you weren't serious, because it wasn't important to you. So you will only have three victories over them when you could have consumed them if you'd have just taken it seriously. I will, I will be back on the subject. I must finish this. Because in order for us to be relevant in this last day, with murders on the, on the uptick, in order for us to be empowered for this day, we've got to take it seriously. As I said before, there's no guarantee. I can't, there's no guarantee that what's happened throughout America won't one day happen here. There's no guarantee that some maniacal person won't come through with guns as they did two weeks ago when Pastor Venetia Moore was preaching. Pastor Venetia Moore was out preaching for Pastor Connie Huller in, in Coney Island. And a gunman came in with two guns just two weeks ago. Came in with guns. Is this a black church? There's no guarantee that that will not happen one day. But I take this so seriously that I will be in my place no matter what. I just need to know who's going to stand with me. I just need to know who's going to be serious enough. Who's going to dedicate themselves to the work of the ministry, to the kingdom's agenda. If it costs my life, this God that I live for, I'm willing to die for. This is a day where it demands us to be serious and no longer playing with the things of God. Everyone's standing. And no longer playing with the things of God. We will develop a discipline. We will develop a commitment. And we will take this seriously. I will preach to you until you become empowered. I will pray with you until you become the prayer warrior. I will teach you until the lesson is exemplified, not just heard, but done. I will preach you into your prosperity. But I will also preach you into your purpose. Prosperity without purpose is greed. Prosperity without purpose is greed. I have nothing more to say. To those of you that are watching at home that could be in service but are not in the service, seriously? Seriously? Our, com our comfort comes before our commitment? Well, it's COVID-19, but you're going to work. But you're going to the mall. 
You're going to the movies. You're going to the restaurants. Going to the Broadway shows. Getting on the planes. Seriously? Seriously. We have an obligation. We have an obligation. Be serious about this. Be that strong Christian that turns, realigns themselves with the purpose of God and gets back to work. The hour is now. When we drive out of here, you're going to pass by so many people that are on their way in darkness to hell. Do you take that serious? People that are waiting, wanting to hear an answer that you have. Do you take that serious? There's, there are many women at the well. Many women coming to draw water and need to hear a word. Be that person that gives them something more greater than their natural desire. I can't preach anymore about this tonight. I will bring you back to this our next week with more revelation about seriously, seriously, in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs>